stadium night Catfish on the mound It's not exactly take me out to the ball game but it is Robert Zimmerman 79 years old today son of Duluth Minnesota the Iron Range and America's Nobel laureate great poet he moved at a young age to Hibbing Minnesota and it would be Hibbing that would shape him from age 7 forward Hibbing Minnesota the county seat of St. Louis County Minnesota 6200 square miles larger than three states and every single territory it is home to Vincent Bugliosi the famous helter-skelter prosecutor in Los Angeles Kevin McHale of the Boston Celtics Rudy Perpich the two-term governor of Minnesota Gary Puckett not the union gap just Gary Puckett Gus Hall four-time communist party candidate for president of the United States I remember Gus Hall running he has done that in our lifetimes but most of all Hibbing Minnesota is home to Roger Maris who died of a broken heart in 1985 at the age of 51 forever an asterisk next to his name thanks to the commissioner of baseball Ford Frick who said I'm sorry it took you six more games than Babe Ruth played in 1927 to hit that 61st home run you are just a footnote to history Tom Griscom David Eikenthal no mere footnotes to history here Bob Dylan brings us in to maybe the beginning of the 1985 no wait that's the year Maris died 1934 no wait that's the year Maris was born 1961 the year I was born no it's the 2020 major league baseball season and I don't know any other way really to welcome it in than to hear Bob Dylan sing about catfish hunter gentlemen Are we going to have a baseball season and is this one going to have an asterisk next to it for all time? Tom Griscom, what do you think? Well, maybe the best thing that's happened Tom since we were all together is that I think it was Mark Teixeira, if I remember right, who finally said maybe we ought to start negotiating in public, meaning owners and players ought to decide maybe we need to take this off to the you know you know put it off to the side here on the side of the road and let's talk about this rather than having stories about uh well my life is this important so you're going to pay me my whole salary at the time that we have people struggling right to right. even survive and i i tell you what i hope that because it got quiet for the last week or so that maybe somebody listen maybe the 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 former major leaguers who are now sort of weighing in saying shut up uh let's figure this out but saying those same type things don't think you find much compassion in this country right now if you're a a multimillionaire or a billionaire and we're worried about your health don't get us wrong but don't sit here and talk about i'm owed x amount of this because you want me to sort of step up and play a game with all the other people in this country who are struggling 
And and I just hope baseball doesn't do it to itself again what it did back in the 90s, where it took years to recover. You know, hearing Bob Dylan sing about Catfish Hunter, I was thinking about those early 1970s teams of the Oakland A's, the Swingin' A's. And Catfish was the centerpiece of that team. He had come up in the mid-1960s probably too soon. He started pitching for the Kansas City Athletics really before he was 20 years old. And he was not good, but he developed his craft. He was never the most overpowering pitcher, but that team took on his personality. And guys like Joe Rudy and Sal Bando and Dick Green, and yes, there was Reggie Jackson, a young Reggie Jackson, but not the Reggie Jackson of, of lore in New York Yankees history. It was a group of guys who came together. They played for perhaps the most difficult owner in baseball <laughs> in Charlie Finley. And they just decided amongst themselves, we are going to be who mm -hmm. we are and we are going to win regardless of what that crazy man who owns this team wants. And we are going to win regardless of what baseball thinks about us. That is the playing spirit at the moment I'm looking for right now. And David Eichenthal haven't yet heard it. No, haven't, haven't heard it, Tom, by the way, let me join in the tribute to Bob Dylan on the 66th anniversary of his bar mitzvah. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, let me just comment on the Oakland A's of the early 1970s, who, of course, robbed the Mets in 1973. It was a horrible call at the plate. But, well, you know, it's been 47 years. I'll let it go at some point. I mean, the Mets, the uh, Mets broke 500 that season, didn't they? Yes. Yes, they did. You know, Tom, I, I, I think we could do worse than thinking about 2020 and, and the Major League Baseball uh, 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 season and remembering the immortal words of Tim McGraw's father, Tug, you got to believe. So, uh, but no, we haven't really seen that sort of spirit coming out of players yet. You know, it's it's interesting. Uh you, you may remember, I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast, but what seems like a century ago when I was in surprise uh, for the last baseball game of this year for me and uh, for a lot of other people, who was signing autographs in Surprise Arizona that day but Raleigh Fingers, of course, the great A's reliever. Um, what we have seen, and it may be even more important, I think, than... than uh, 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 Mark Shara's comments is, you know, with the last time we get together, I talked about the fact that there was a missing piece of this equation, which is to the extent that uh, Major League Baseball is going to play anywhere, or they're going to play in a stadium and it's going to be in a state and it's not going to happen unless it's done in accord with whatever uh, state officials deem to be safe. Uh, and uh, one of the big developments I think that we've seen since the last time that we've talked is movement on the part of some of the key governors about opening the door to the notion of baseball being played. Uh, Gavin Newsom, governor of California, home of five major league baseball teams, said, you know, if we could figure it out 
he'd like to do it. Gavin Newsom, by the way, who I believe played high school baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a, uh, a, a high school uh, photo of him in a uniform floating around uh, when I looked. And Governor Cuomo in New York seeming not to care very much about the Mets or the Yankees, but uh, in one of his latest slideshows, there was a slide dedicated to the Buffalo Bills with the complicated messaging of, I want to see the Buffalo Bills. Uh, uh, so I think there may be some progress, but we still don't know what the, uh, what the final outcome looks like. Is that complicated only because you surmise that no one actually wants to see the Buffalo Bills? Is that is that your take Except on this, David? Tim Russert and his father somewhere both in heaven, I'm sure. But uh, the uh, no, I think it, it's uh, it, it is uh, typical, I think, of the masterful keep it simple messaging that Governor Cuomo has pursued throughout this crisis. My favorite of his PowerPoint slides, however, was a picture of people not social distancing in a park uh, in Brooklyn, uh, and it just had the word mistake on it. So I think, you know, not quite the eloquence of his father, but really gets to the point. So, Tom, before we get off the Oakland A's, let me throw in two quick factoids. Number one, for all the crazy things that Charlie Finley did, he did bring color to the sport. Those uniforms and white shoes, remember that? He put white shoes on them. And I know it because at one point for a brief period of time, the Chattanooga Lookouts were a farm team for the Oakland A's. And so we got to see the green and yellow and all the mixed matches that were there. One other point back to baseball in general. It was interesting that supposedly when owners and players had talked and struck some deal apparently back in March, uh, from what I read, if you can believe what you read in the media, uh, and having been part of it like you were, Mr. Lee, we still believe it, uh, that there was actually an agreement that the players would actually play in front of real fans. And that guy yes. that came out this week saying, oh, that's great. Before you even knew it, you already put that in. So, you know, just little little nuggets here and there that get dropped along the way that we get to look at and pick up when we're trying to figure out how to get this sport started again. Do you know what Finley called the colors? What? Well, Kelly Green, that's not very yeah. exciting. Yeah. That's a, a well-known right. color. But but the gold, right, that yeah. went with the green, Finley described it as Fort Knox gold. <laughs> hey, that sounds like somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know that he had a toilet uh, done in that color or not, but, but uh, this from no less an authoritative source than the American League Red Book 1966. Oh, that's great. Version, yes. Uh, and, and, of course, for reasons that date back to well past Charlie Finley, the, the insignia, the logo of the, the uh, then Kansas City Athletics, soon to be Oakland Athletics, was, of course, an elephant yes. and uh, still is an elephant holding a bat uh, in trunk atop a baseball. Kansas City Athletics, beautiful, spectacular uniforms. By the way, uh, did you see the story this week that we're in the longest period of time since Major League Baseball's expanded? 
And the reason it came up is in the past when they've expanded, it's because they needed to generate new revenue. And that was the sense of the story. It said it may be a prime time for two more teams to be added because it may be the way out of some of the financial uh, hole that some of these owners may find themselves in. I just tossed that out. It was an interesting story. Hadn't thought about it. Uh, and I definitely hadn't thought about expansion at the time that we're trying to kill minor league baseball teams. Well, that's right. The One of the deals, speaking of minor league baseball, that's been floated in the past two weeks has been an expansion of the major league rosters to 50 players, which a, there's not a dugout big enough B there's not a dugout big enough under any reasonable concept of social distancing and C that would, that would just about undo um, any sort of baseball at the, at the triple a or double a level. On the other hand, there are young players out there, and I'm thinking of Casey Mize, the Auburn pitcher who is now with the Detroit Tigers, was the first overall pick in the draft uh, last year. Mize's agent said this week he is all for it. If his client, who you know played college baseball, he's not a high schooler, could skip a couple of years of the minors and show his stuff this year in a bizarre and fluky uh, kind of season, especially a bizarre and fluky kind of season where you may see more minor leaguers playing. Mize's agent said he's all for it. Let's go. And so the minor leagues hang in the balance as as uh, players and their agents want to get closer, of course, to those big major league contracts. They want to get years of service in so they can get closer to arbitration and free agent years. It's it is the most peculiar baseball season coming up if we get it. Because to tell you the truth, it feels like it's not in the least bit about baseball. And I get it. It's a business uh, like any other business. It has, its, it has its, its needs and its incentives. But this one, is, this one is different. This one does not yet feel to me as though it's about the game or the players. No, it's about Airbnb. You see the story where the uh, Pensacola Blue Wahoos, who play in the Southern League, they're Minnesota. Yes. Twins, double A, has put up on Airbnb that you can rent the stadium for $1,500 one night. You actually can use the dressing rooms, everything else. So here we go. Anything to make a buck. Anything. It's a a ballpark on the beach. That's correct. That the taxpayers paid for. All right, moving on. Yes. Uh, Everything is polarized, including baseball. Surveys this week from... Politico and Ipsos showed that Democrats think that sports should wait uh, twice as much as Republicans. Democrats, uh, by a two-to-one margin, believe that the reopening of the major leagues uh, of all sports that they care about should wait until a vaccine is developed, which presumably would permit everybody to go to the old ballpark together. This mirrors now what is solidifying as, I think, just one of the most amazing political developments of, of our time. Uh, generically, if you start averaging polls, Real Clear Politics averages and other sites that do these averages for you will tell you the overwhelming percentage of Republican voters 
approve of the president's handling of this public health and now economic crisis, and almost the mirror image exact opposite minority of Democrats approve of the same crisis, the same development. David, what dangers, if any, are there? in? Because we're not just talking about, don't get me wrong, it's not as though foreign policy towards, say, Iran's not important. It's perhaps more important than ever, the Ayatollah's under new pressures in his 80s. But putting, say, an intelligent argument about a foreign policy issue that can seem remote and distant <laughs> to the side for a moment, here we are, Americans, in the midst of taking steps, wearing masks, uh, socially distancing, or not, and and we have retreated right back to where we were before the president's approval numbers uh, today in his favorite poll, uh, Rasmussen, 1,500 likely voters, 53% disapproval, 46% approval, about exactly where he was two years ago. Is anything capable of, of breaking this sort of deadlock that uh, the American electorate has imposed on itself if 100,000 almost people dead cannot? Well, uh, not quite sure Rasmussen is the poll that I would turn to as the, the, the best uh, uh, the best. Uh, predictor of, of well, all American right. voters. The morning, really the are. morning, the morning consult poll, May 22, 1995 registered voters. This is this is one that uh, the Politico folks also sponsor. Fifty five percent disapproval, forty two percent approval. Right. Margin of error difference. But that's the same. My point is not that that's a good number or a bad number is that that's, that's the same number. Sure. As you would, but, you would but, get from but, two years ago. Well, I mean, I think, you know, not much has changed i think it in in terms of the politics of the moment i i don't know what it will take um i think we talked about this on the last podcast and one of the things that i said and one of the things that i i'm concerned about is that we've we've lost a certain level of of being able to be outraged by by certain things that government does and i think that there is this fundamental division in the country and it's playing out in the context of this pandemic as well i mean we're going to learn a lot uh i hope we don't learn what i think we may in terms of what happens as you know uh, red state governors are eager to to reopen. I hope we don't learn what I think we're going to learn is the president refuses to wear a mask uh, and uh, uh, comes up with all sorts of cockamamie uh, cures uh, to this pandemic. But uh, I don't know what it will take. I mean, this is an extraordinarily divided country right now and uh, the sad thing is that you know we typically turn to the white house we typically turn to the oval office no matter the party in in moments like this to help bring the country together even if momentarily and there's you know the lack of empathy the 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 makes that just impossible i mean 
I think the president celebrated Memorial Day weekend and the and commemorated the death of 100,000 people in this country by going golfing. I, I don't know what to say. It is, we are now at the point where I think we have to acknowledge we're not having a conversation anymore about whether there is a right or wrong way to attack the pandemic. We are now having a conversation about whether there is a pandemic. Well, and I think it's that's where it is care, or whether we care. No, no, no. I want to suggest to you that there's a fu- there's a fundamental there's a there's a significant portion of the electorate right now that that would say I am caring. I simply do not believe there is a problem. I, I'm not sure about that, Tom. I, I think that there are certainly people who are out there who, uh, you know, uh, haven't thought about or considered the reality of what's going on beyond when the president referred to it as a hoax several months ago. Uh, I think there are some people like that out there, but I think there are actually far more people and they make up more of the 42 percent or the 45 percent who, who, you know, basically have thrown up their hands and said, well, Sure, there's something going on, but it's heavily concentrated in places like New York, and that's not me, and, uh, you know, we've got to reopen, and, and I think that, that, uh, I think that the, we've seen that in what's left of mainstream Republicans. Uh, you're, not, you're not reading enough QAnon. I, I think we've got to get you deeper into some conspiracy theories. Well, um, yeah. How many people? How many people voted in the Republican Senate primary in Oregon? About eight. I don't. I mean, are there eight Republicans in Oregon? I don't know. I don't know. Re- Rep- Oregon is capable of electing statewide Republicans. Uh, they've I, they've I, done I, it fairly recently. Let Let um, me jump in here too, Tom. I th- my bigger concern is if there is a second wave that because of what David just talked about is we were sitting here one day and this within, it seems like a snap of a, of a hand, everything shut down. It stopped. Mm-hmm. And we were told all these dire consequences were going to happen. And it didn't matter where you were, it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And as it's played out, we see what's happened in New York, New York city, and it sort of makes sense when you think about it, the place come in. But we also look at the scare that was there when it first started in Washington State. And then the scare in California, but it sort of gets managed. And now we come back and we see, well, it really sort of, what's out there, it depends on where you live and what was going on. And so my bigger concern is we got everybody ramped up. And we got and 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 you you had people sort of falling in line, and then all of a sudden they start looking at numbers. They said, "Well, my numbers aren't that bad. Mm-hmm. So why 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 is this happening to me?" And it sort of became a Swiss cheese. You know, we've talked about Swiss cheese economy in America for years. It sort of came like a piece of Swiss cheese. So my bigger concern, Tom, is if there is a second wave to this. And if that second wave is different than the first one, uh, 
then you're sitting here saying, oh my gosh, we probably should have been wiser, not at the very beginning, because we, we didn't know. But as we work through this, maybe we should have come back and, you know, rather than beating everybody over the head with the same message every day, and they're looking at it and seeing it and saying, that's not me. And, and, and then you say, okay, let's wait for a, a vaccination. Then we get into the larger argument. There are people out there, and they aren't just Republicans who say, I'm not going to take a vaccination. So does that solve the problem? Not necessarily. And then we're talking about maybe end of the year, more likely on into 2021. And the notion that we're going to keep this country shut down until sometime in 2021 just isn't feasible. But but well, I don't think we sat down I, and really spent the time. We sat here, as David said, Thomas, you brought up, throwing spit wads at each other. The media can't you know can't throw enough, and the, the president can't figure out how to throw one back, and 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 he and Pelosi carry on. When I would rather have wished that somehow another voice came in, I don't know who it would be, that says, "Can we put some context around what we're talking about?" Well, well, but Tom, I mean, let's be clear here. I think what happened in Washington state and what happened particularly in the Bay Area of California is they acted faster and they it's not that they didn't need to have acted faster because the problem wasn't as severe. It's because they acted faster that the problem wasn't as severe. I mean, I think that Governor Cuomo has appropriately been lauded for some of his response uh, uh, but there's a devastating uh, investigative piece that ProPublica did comparing sort of New York City and New York State and the leadership of Cuomo and de Blasio to what Governor Newsom did and what Mayor Breed did in San Francisco. And, and it's pretty clear that because the Bay Area acted as quickly as it did, thousands of lives were saved. I mean, I think that's the same case with Governor Inslee. So we don't know. We're going to find, I mean, it's a problem with any time you do something that's designed for prevention. It's, it's hard to prove what, what would have happened but for, but for the preventive case. But we're about to find out. So that as, as, the, as Tennessee is reopened and we continue to exist under the Tennessee pledge, I don't know if that's like lemon pledge or something else, but where there's absolutely no enforcement, no stick whatsoever uh, around compliance in most of the state. What we know is that in Hamilton County, when the high uh, at the beginning of the outbreak was maybe 20 cases a day, there were three days in a row when it was over 40. And uh, that streak was ended when there were 74. Because so we started, David, we started testing. We weren't testing. Well, but, but, but Nashville's been <clears throat> testing all along. I don't understand how Hamilton County uh, has been testing, and we now have more cases in Nashville. I don't understand how, for a period of time, Hamilton County, which is something like 120th the density of San Francisco, had more deaths than they did. I mean, this isn't make-believe. This isn't, you know, a hoax. This is public health playing out. 
And yes, there are different risks in different places. And yes, every part of this country is going to experience this differently. But I mean, you know, if we had a scintilla of respect for science in this country, people would understand that actually public health experts have pretty much gotten this right. I'm going to give you a news report from the field because I I traveled Friday and Saturday across the state to Johnson City to see uh, our daughter for a brief time. And and this took me into several places. Um, First of all, I was only in one business where there was a sign on the door that said, we follow the Tennessee Pledge. And that was Peggy Ann's Donut Shop in Johnson City. I cannot recommend (laughs) the sour cream donuts more highly. They are spectacular at Peggy Ann's. Also at Peggy Ann's, every employee was in a mask. Also at Peggy Ann's, some of the self-serve items that they used to have out there for you to pump your own coffee, for example, all to the back, uh, lines on the floor. I thought Peggy Ann's did a great job of helping you understand how to be safe and still have a delicious sour cream donut. Two things I care greatly about. Conversely, at the Wild Wings Cafe downtown, right on Founders Park, it's a great spot. They did a fabulous job of opening up the windows. They had removed half the tables. The servers were appropriately masked. No one else in the store was, not a customer. And um, there were several uh, customers who decided, I guess because I was sitting close to one of the open windows, that that's where they would come and talk over my head with their cell phone conversations. It was exciting. Um, but, but they were sort of halfway there. And then on the way home last night, I stopped at a, uh, at a McDonald's. I worked two years at McDonald's in high school. I have a weakness for McDonald's. I like me a quarter pounder with cheese. And after waiting at this store inside for five minutes, which does change the definition of fast food, and seeing every employee in the store with their mask down around their necks like they're doctors in a TV show, I finally said to the person when she noticed me, I am leaving. You can have my meal. It was so uh, frightening is too much of a word. And I think this is where the, the Tennessee Pledge will find its limits uh, is – is if, and this is my expectation, if you are the uh, family-owned Peggy Ann's Donuts of Johnson City, Tennessee, and and you uh, care about your customer, you're going to try to do the best that you can. I didn't see any evidence of that at my McDonald's stop, and I'm not going to say where it is because it hurts my heart to report it. But let's just say it's east of the Cumberland Plateau. I... I I was outraged at what I saw in there and the way that the people handling the food and working with the customers were taking sort of the moment. Now, I just want to say one other thing. On my trip, I saw a guy in downtown Johnson City who was lecturing every person that he saw wearing a mask on the street. 
he would come up to them. And I, I followed him around for just a little short time. And he would get in their face and he'd point at them. And his voice would get loud enough for everybody within, you know, 50 yards or so to hear clearly. And he didn't seem to have an agenda other than to want to tell people whatever it was he wanted to tell them about how foolish they were and what they were doing. We are, they call it a public health crisis for a reason, because we're all kind of in this one together. It's public. And uh, Tom, I think you're exactly right uh, in that sense that we heard things at the beginning of this crisis that didn't always materialize in the way that some people thought they might. And as it turns out, some of the learning about the uh, the virus and the way it's transmitted uh, appears to be changing. This doesn't bother me because everything we know about this virus is five months old. It is not at all <laughs> troubling to me, but I get it. There are people who want to know from the beginning, tell me the thing, and if you change that, they'll hold it against you. Now let's fast forward to the Tennessee General Assembly, which comes back to work this week after two and a half month hiatus. And the most interesting thing is happening. Of course, as we know, the, the two chambers are uh, both heavily Republican controlled and have been for about a decade now. The House of Representatives has scheduled a full calendar of committee meetings and bills to be heard in each of those committee meetings starting on Tuesday. The Senate... With, with the public. Being with... Yes, but that with is. the public. That's right. Yes. With with some controls about how you get in the building and how many people get in the room and where you right. sit. Yep. But if you want to come see the Tennessee House of Representatives, you can. Conversely, the Tennessee Senate has put a barrier up in the building that separates on the second floor, pardon me, the first floor of the building the committee rooms where the Senate traditionally meets versus the rooms that the House traditionally uses. And the Senate has said, nobody comes in. And as a result, the House and the Senate cannot yet agree on how the state capitol itself will open when the legislature goes to the floor of the House and the Senate on the second floor of the state capitol. I find this remarkable. And amazing that there is such a disagreement and some of it I think is part of a larger you know back and forth between the legislative bodies about who wants what and who wants to be seen how and who wants to end up the session with something I understand that but but the legislature found in March that they could meet in private and no one would hold them really accountable for it now there are some who want to do that. The Senate has taken the extraordinary step of putting senators' desks in the second floor of the Senate chamber in the balcony. Half the Senate's going to sit up there. So I will suggest to you that while polling says there's a partisan difference on this issue, when it comes time to gather and when 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 one's own ox appears to be very close to the goring device, <laughs> different things happen. 
I actually think this is encouraging. I don't like all the decisions that are being made, but I actually think it's encouraging that there are uh, decision makers in our state who are saying, you know what? Wait a second. <laughs> Hold on, David. So uh, maybe I want to try and bring us back to uh, the Iron Range and hitting Minnesota on this. Now's I, the time. I, I don't think I don't think it is purely partisan. I don't know if either of you saw the remarks of the governor of North Dakota. Uh, Fargo is a good three and a half hour drive from Hibbing. Uh, a Republican, uh, Doug Burgum, who explained that the decision to wear a mask or not wear a mask was not about ideology. It was not about politics. It was about uh, having a cancer patient at home who is in chemotherapy and wanting to try and protect them. Um, and I think he was pretty close to tears in his remarks. He was. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm hoping we'll see more recognition of that and that maybe that's the place where we come together. And maybe that's the place where, you know, it won't take another 100,000 deaths to, to get to some sort of consensus about how to take this seriously. I think everybody wants to reopen. I think everybody wants to go to some sort of level of normal, although I'm not quite sure what that means right now. But uh, I want a haircut. I don't mind telling you. Here's my tip for you, Tom. Do it yourself and really screw up, and then they'll be pity on you. Uh, uh, that that was the secret to my success. But 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 I mean, you know, we are a divided nation, and as much as one would hope that we could unite around this, um, I thought David Brooks's column about this on Friday in the New York Times was brilliant. So that as many times as David Brooks drives me crazy. He, says something truly important, uh, talking about this as really an invasion and, and, and how we respond to it. Uh, but uh, I hope we'll get to a better place, but it's a, we're, we're on a path. Hopefully we'll get there. You know what the great Bob Dylan would say about this moment? Better stay away from those that carry around a fire hose. Keep a clean nose. Watch the plain clothes. You don't need a weatherman to tell which way the wind is blowing. And the wind is blowing in this country in a, a profound direction, and you do not need a weatherman. I commend to everybody's read the front page of today's New York Times, and, and not simply because of the headline or because of the starkness of the front page, which is a list of 1,000 names, which continues, by the way, inside almost over two more pages. But just to read the, the descriptions of the lives that those folks led and were leading, every one of those people on that front page and on those inside pages was up and around in ambulatory three months ago. Yes, there's death all around us. And, and people die for mysterious and unknown and difficult to grasp reasons, but they don't typically die of something we've never seen before. Typically we die of things that we 
<laughs> bring on ourselves, either because we've lived so long or we didn't eat right or we had too much beer or we put too much butter in the croissant. That's what kills us, and we know it. When something comes that we don't understand, remember, everything we know about this virus is five months old, and it moves swiftly and rapidly and without much distinction. Yes, it attacks the weak first and hardest, but it is not discriminatory. I think that may yet, may yet unite us. And that's the way the wind uh, is blowing this week. Bob Dylan's 79th birthday week. Nobel laureate, poet laureate of a generation. I just hope he doesn't do any more standards albums. <laughs> David Eichenthal, Tom Griscom, Tom Lee, Three Better Rule. Peace, everybody. See you guys. Watch your parking meters.